You're listening to the King's Place podcast. kingsplace.co.uk Hello, this is Ben Eshmade and welcome to the King's Place podcast, a series of podcasts looking at the upcoming events at the North London venue. On this latest edition, pianist Daniel Tong and violinist Laura Samuel met up with me to talk about Elgar Explored, Daniel Tong and Friends, a mini festival which takes place between the 8th and 10th of November. Um, hello, my name's Dan Tong. I'm a pianist. I'm also curating the festival. Hi, I'm Laura Samuel. I'm a violinist in the London Bridge Ensemble and playing in the festival. So Dan, where did this idea come from in the first place? As a pianist, playing pieces by Elgar and also running a chamber music festival, I became very close to these late works of his that are very intimate and extremely personal, the, almost the last things that he wrote. I think being British it really speaks to me immediately because it's so wonderfully natural I think for us to play and um, particularly the piano quartet and the string quartet are both beautiful and very rewarding. The main thrust of the three days at King's Place is to, to show Elgar in a much more personal light. Obviously there are the chamber pieces which were written for that kind of occasion but then also we're going to try and present some of the other works that he wrote um, in a more slightly intimate way. So for instance we're going to play Sea Pictures which is often done with a full symphony orchestra in the version that Elgar made for piano and voice, which works fantastically well. And then also we've asked Ian Farrington to make a couple of arrangements for us. So the cello concerto, for instance, which I find is actually a very intimate piece. We've all grown up with that fabulous Jacqueline Dupre recording. I I love it just like everyone else does. But there's another way of approaching that piece too. A lot of the writing is very sinewy, very light, very transparent. What's, what's the orchestration for the, that arrangement? Um, obviously we'll pare down the strings, but then there'll be single winds and single brass. Um, I don't think there are any instruments in the original version that are going to completely disappear, but rather than having pairs of wind and brass or even four of each, we'll, we'll have one of each. Let's delve more into the programme then. Uh, well, the first day is a concert by um, Laura and my ensemble, the London Bridge Ensemble. We're a string and piano group, but we also include a singer. So we're going to be playing three movements for piano trio, which have been reconstructed fairly recently by Paul Rook. They've virtually never been played before, but people are just beginning to discover them now. And then the sea pictures with piano. Uh, The main work in that programme is the piano quintet. What I really find with that is that people are uh, apt to think of Algar maybe as slightly old-fashioned. He didn't start writing uh, folk-inspired pieces like Bartok or or even like Vaughan Williams. Um, He certainly didn't start writing atonal music like Schoenberg. But, of course, it doesn't sound anything like Brahms. It doesn't sound anything like Schumann doesn't sound anything like Tchaikovsky, um, apart from very rarely. In fact, Elgar has an extremely individual voice, and I think a, a very personal one too. These pieces were written at the end of the war, when he, like everyone else, had been through a very tough psychological time, lost friends, and I think it's a piece which is full of, full of regret, really, and, and sort of longing for better times. 
do you, do you find when you're playing the, the string music? I mean, do you ever sort of get lost in the music? There is quite an overwhelming sense of sadness sometimes. Absolutely. I think what's quite interesting is often his music and his works are so overly marked that they're incredible. I think it stems, if I'm correct, from the fact that lots of amateurs played it at the beginning and he was completely paranoid about whether or not people would play it exactly how he intended. So there are actually, as an instrumentalist approaching something, there are incredible markings all the time, um, which can be a bit stifling in some ways, but actually... It's the most natural, wonderful music, and it is very absorbing, like you say. So I think that if you can get past that detail and just play it, it's it's the most successful for me, anyway. In in this context, um, is it also the kind of a certain sense of being quite exposed? Yes, although the piano quartet that Dan's talking about in the first concert is actually very rich and thick. It often sounds very symphonic. I think much more so than the string quartet, which is a uh, more sparsely written and often has two, three members playing. It's quite rare that it has that big symphonic feeling. So I think they're quite different, the piano quintet and quartet, in that way. Moving on to the second concert, where we do have the string quartet and the violin sonata, which complete, really, this kind of um, final triptych of pieces that Algar wrote for chamber music. And they're all wonderful, but as Laura was saying, they're, they're very different. Um, the string quartet is, is very clear, isn't it? Very sparse. Sometimes it even half reminds you of something a little bit Baroque or something like that. And then the, the violin sonata, on the other hand, is a sort of richly romantic work. It's pro- Of the three, it's probably the one that does seem to come most clearly from the tradition of sort of Schumann and, and Brahms. And certainly you can hear a little bit of César Franck in the finale or, or, or Schumann in the kind of whimsical second movement. We've talked about Elgar, the composer. People will get the chance as well. You've put in, within this programme a study day. Absolutely. I mean, it'll be kind of total immersion. You, you can <laughs> spend a, a whole day with Elgar and then go to a concert in the evening. During a sort of four or five hours of study day, there'll be various different people there to to lead us through it. Richard Wigmore will be there to talk, hold the thing together and talk more specifically about the cello concerto. But then we've, we've got some really um, interesting angles as well. Ian Farrington, who made the arrangements for the orchestral concert, is also a great pianist. So he's going to be talking about Elgar's piano writing. He's going to be demonstrating things at the piano, playing bits of Elgar's improvisations and getting a feel for the way that Elgar composed at the piano. And then Lewis Foreman's also going to be talking about the kind of dramatic aspect of Elgar and some of the works that aren't going to be performed in this chamber setting. So there'll be just a, just a taste of what happens on the bigger stage as well. Well, what I'm hoping they'll, they'll discover is something about the person behind the music and also something about the person within the music. The, the famous pieces of Elgar that we know are either very rich and symphonic, like the Enigma Variations or something, which, of course, is a, is a wonderful piece, or else, of course, we all know the last night of the, the proms and, the, and a kind of cliché of Elgar, which I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted and which, to me, doesn't really reflect the, the greatness of his music. I'm hoping that, that people come to King's Place and go away, feeling that Elgar can move them maybe more than just rouse them. What have you got planned for the third concert, maybe the grand finale? Yes, uh, we're going to start our grand finale with um, a half, which is just for string orchestra. Um, So we'll have Introduction Allegro um, with the Elias Quartet playing, fantastic young string quartet, 
and then also we're going to have serenade for strings so some earlier music there um in between all of that we've got a this extraordinary new version of concert allegro that ian farrington has arranged there's a good story behind all this because elgar wrote the piece for piano he sort of altered it about 10 times tinkered around with it heard the premiere changed it again kept saying that he was going to turn it into a piano concerto but never got round to it so <laughs> many years later along comes ian um and it's really exciting i've been practicing the part and it's you know i've, I've played the solo version to be perfectly honest i find this version much more exciting proposition mm-hmm. um i think it's going to be great and actually having said everything that we have about elgar's intimacy that's probably the one piece in the program where <laughs> we have a little bit of avert virtuosity <laughs> And apparently he composed a lot at the piano, which when I first found that out, it slightly surprised me. I think these these pieces are, are written with an extraordinarily good ear. And Elgar was a wonderful improviser. You can hear crackly wax cylinder of him playing just before he died. And there's a sort of very free-spirited kind of feeling to his to his piano writing as well, I think. I mean, there's music here that's hardly ever played there's music here which is very often played, um, like the, the cello concerto or introduction to Allegro, and then there's also music which we feel ought to be played even more often, um, as Laura was saying, the, the, something like the string quartet or, or the violin sonata, which have become kind of um, classics amongst those who know them, but really ought to be heard by everyone. They really stand up there alongside the greatest music ever, I think. Elgar Explored, Daniel Tong and Friends takes place between Thursday the 8th to Saturday the 10th of November, with the Elgar Study Day taking place on Saturday the 10th from 11am. I'm Ben Eshmade and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For full details about this or any event, please visit our website kingsplace.co.uk. Tickets for all events are available from as little as £9.50 online. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the King's Place podcast kingsplace.co.uk